Well, I remember when I, I got COVID, and so I was, but before that, Pastor Kim spoke on finances. He took a series on finances. And so, so happened that this elder used to always sit down at the back of the church and encourage the pastor, you know. So the pastor got up and was preaching a message. And he said, the church must walk. And the elder said, amen. And, you know, getting the whole thing excited. And he said, after a little while he preached, and then he said, the church must run. And the elders stood up, amen, he shouted. And the church, again, he preached a little bit, and he said, the church must fly. Elder said, amen. But for the church to fly, we need money. And the elder said, then let it walk. <laughs> so this morning, what I want to share with you I hope I don't get into trouble, but I want to talk to you about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Now, in 2000, we had the Olympics in Sydney. And um, just previous to that, we went and we my niece came down from Dubai. We went and seen the stadium. We went around over the, the Olympic you know, park and beautiful. So that day I was so interested, I was sitting down and the guy came up. He had his last arrow to shoot, an Australian guy who got the gold medal that year for archery, right? He got the gold medal for archery. So he stood out and he took up the arrow and he focused. For a long time he focused. And then he pulled and shot the bullseye. And he got the gold medal. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, this is basically, this is basically telling us with the same in intensity of hitting the bullseye, you and I must focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, my friends, to be able to, to understand the plan he has. Our focus, that's why he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, if there has ever been a time that we must fix our eyes on Jesus, it's now. This is not a gloom and, mood, gloom and doom message because, you know, friends, now we look at every single thing. This is a reality that we are facing. You know, the economy had collapsed. $82 billion was wiped out from the Australian market. People's superannuation were hit so badly. Nobody knows what's going on. We see we have natural 
you know, disasters, we see pandemics, we are looking at place, you know, things that are happening, and people don't know, science don't, scientists don't know, nobody knows what is happening. Nobody knows what's happening, and the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, where Jesus predicts as to exactly what's going to take place, it seems like it's happening. It seems like it's happening, and, and nobody and everybody cannot understand. But we must never forget that God is on his throne, and he will never forget his own. And so you and I need to be able, all we need to do is to focus, is to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's all, doesn't matter whatever happens, let all hell break loose. You and I as Christians, we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Put him first. Because God will then come through in our lives. He will definitely come through. Why? Because Jesus is the author of your life. He has written your life story. He has given you a destiny and a plan and a purpose for your life. He has got it all sorted out. Now, how can I say this? I got saved when I was 18 years old. I used to sit down very depressed and very broken sometimes because I didn't know what my future was going to be. I had no future. But I can say today that I'm 66 years old and I have seen God's plan and purpose unfold in my life. So I can sit down here and tell you that it will fall in line. It will fall in line. He, will, he is the author. He's the finisher. He will give you your plan, your purpose, your destiny will come to being. But as long as you fix your eyes on him, my friends, what he started in your life, he'll finish. All you have to do is just focus and stay with him, focus on him. That is why the Bible says, a righteous man's footsteps are ordered by the Lord. One version says, the other version says, you know, the Lord makes the steps of one who delights in him. Psalm 37, 23. Okay, and there is another scripture that said, all things work good that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes things that happen in our lives, we, you know, feel, my, what's happening? And we get upset and we get all worked up and we get all bothered. But you've got to understand that God is in control of your life. And he works out his plan and he works out the purpose that he has called you to and he's taking you through that path, that journey. All you got to do is fix your eyes on Jesus, putting him first in every single thing. Every single thing. Now, what happens when you take your eyes off Jesus? Now, there's a story in Matthew chapter 14, 22. Matthew chapter 22 starts. Now, if you look at Matthew, you'll see that Jesus... He tells his disciples, now get onto the boat and go. So he then goes to the mountain 
and he prays to the Father. And he spent, and now here the boat is gone, and they are quite far. And Jesus realizes now that they are quite far. If you looked at, look at Matthew chapter 14 from verse 14. And he realizes that he's got to catch up with them. So what happens? He has a cool stroll on the water to come to them. And they're looking at him, think that he's a ghost. What is happening? He, he, what is this? Somebody walking on water? This must be a ghost. He, he doesn't have a pair of legs because they couldn't see his legs. Probably it's in the water. So they get flabbergasted. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry, it's me. Don't worry, it's me. Now, you know, many liberal theologians don't accept this passage of scripture and they think it's just metaphoric, it's not real because it's, it's not practical, not reality, you know. Well, let me tell you something and I challenge that thought. Jesus walked in water, but even Peter walked. So that's out of the, out of the thing that it could not, you know, be metaphoric, it had to be literal. So, let's look at verse now. Peter, as we all know, he was quite a guy that was quite excitable. He got all worked up about things that, you know, was around. So he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. That's what the passage, that is, verse 29. Bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. Peter steps out in faith on the word of God, not thinking of the uncertainty or the insecurity of the tossing and, you know, moving in of the waves. He gets out and he walks on the word of God. On the word of God, come. My friends, one who spoke everything into being says, come. And he steps out of the boat, walks on water, because he knew, he knew who was saying come. The faith that he had within him, he just stepped out of the water and says, I am going because I know he called me. Friends, our Christianity is to be our Christian faith is that we must walk on the word of God. Because God's word is filled with promises. No matter what situation you're going through, what trial, what problem, what difficulty, you have an answer in the word of God. Get all of that word and stand on it and say, God, this is what you said. You must keep your word, Lord. And he would keep his word. Because he is a God that keeps his word. I tell you that because I can see it fulfilled in my life. And so you will keep, he will keep his word. My friends, sometimes how could, you know, people walk by the word of God or walk 
you know, on the word of God. When they don't read the Bible, they don't now, today we are in advanced at least in technology where we, you know, I, I've, I mean, reading was, I can pray for hours, but reading is a strenuous thing for me. Okay? But I'll tell you, we, we, I remember having a friend and he used to tell me, Melvin, I'm the opposite. I can read, but praying for me is so difficult. So the fact remains is now you can listen to the word of God. Chapter by chapter, just listen to it. Because it must get into your spirit so you would know and you will face. You know, when something comes up, you can use the word of God. So if you don't know the word of God and if you don't spend time in the word of God and if you, my friends, just don't, you know, understand the word of God, how can you use the word against situations? You know, I want to just emphasize that this book that we have here has been through the test. In the, if you study church history, there was a time where they called, called the Dark Ages. You know, if you study, you will find that most of the leadership, that is the popes and, the, and, and all the leadership, operated in the occult. And they were so desperate that they, all they wanted is for self-gain. And if you study history, they sold passports to heaven, and there was a lot of things going wrong. So what happened? They wanted to destroy the real word of God, but there were men that God had called and chosen, hidden catechisms, and they preserved the word of God and they were willing to give their lives to preserve the word of God. That is how today you and me have the word of God. And it stood the test. And today people will come against the word of God because they want to do their own thing. And the word of God is very clear about the stance that it takes against situations that we are facing as Christians in the world. But the word of God is very clear and we must stand on the word and say this is it and this is what we want to believe and this is where we will stand and not compromise. And even sometimes as time goes on it may cost your life but stand on the word of God. Live by the word of God. Walk in the word of God and you will see victory. Then he, you know, he's now walking on the water. In verse 30, he saw the wind. It simply means that, no, you don't see the wind, you know, you cannot. But what it means is that he felt it. He could see the wind blowing and, and, and uh, what has been happening, it was, must have been so powerful. So he gets distracted and he takes his eyes off Jesus because of the sound of the wind. He takes his eyes off Jesus. Now, when you get distracted and take your eyes off Jesus and put it on the circumstances and the sound of the moving wind, which is powerful, that brings doubts. And that means when it becomes so doubtful and that 
it just makes you, the circumstance becomes bigger, the problem, the situation, what is happening in your life becomes so big that you cannot be able to handle the situation and you now are buckling under the pressure because now you have taken your eyes of Jesus and the circumstances become too big to handle. And then what happens is the fiery darts of Satan start hitting your mind. It starts just blocking every single thing that you have been knowing. And the word of God is fiery darts are being hit at you. And then suddenly, my friends, you begin to start, you know, what if, what if, what if. Satan attacks the mind. And that's when you lose the inner peace. Your inner peace is gone, friends, I'll tell you. No matter what happens around you, it would never matter except if you lose your inner peace. Because that peace is, passes all understanding. You don't have to understand the situation. You don't have to understand the issues that are happening. But all you need to do is to keep focus on the things of God and hold on to your peace. Because if you remove the peace, my friends, you are in severe trouble. You are in severe trouble. Then you see, he was afraid, verse 30 again. Peter thought he was going down. Afraid. Fear grips him. Okay? And when fear grips you, you have several negative thoughts. And that's when also you get, oh, what happens? What if, what if this happens? What if that happens? What is this? This thing takes place. What if that takes place? That is why the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to. We all just stand still and know that he is God. We have faced life. I mean, we have, we have you know, I remember this, this little... Michael, when he had this allergic reaction to eating nuts, it shook us a bit because, you know, everything had to change. They couldn't go out to a restaurant. This, that. But we stood the test. We are going to stand and pray and believe God. And God came through. So we need to stand. You need to stand strong, my friends. You know, God has not given us that. Why? That is why... We must walk in faith on the word of God. Then, now, he begins to sink. Verse 30, he begins to sink. Why? Because he takes his eyes of Jesus. He takes his eyes of Jesus. So he begins to sink. He goes down. Okay. Now I want to share with you. 
there is a painting called Checkmate. This painting is in a museum. And um, what happens, a few champions, champions of, you know, tennis, champions of athletics, different champions are taken by the guide through this museum. And as they are taken, they pass and they come across this one. And the guide says, see, this is where Satan takes this guy on in chess. And the guy loses. And see, he's desperate. But with them was a world champion, chess champion. With them. So they all looked at it and, oh, wow, good, uh, good painting. And all, and all walked away. But this champion of, of the world-class champion stood there and kept staring at the photograph. So the guy comes back and he says, hey, we are all moved on. Why are you standing here? He said, hey, either you change the painting because that's wrong. And he said, what do you mean? I am the world champion. Do you know that? He said, yes, I know that. That is wrong. He said, what do you mean? Matt, by that photograph, the king has one move to make. If ever you ever felt, you know, that you're sinking, if ever those that are watching me on television or on, on, on Zoom, if ever you feel like you're sinking, you have nothing, you know, you feel that you have collapsed, you've played the game and you've lost it, I want you to challenge your king as one more move to make. And he will take you out of the trouble. He will take you out of that pit. My friends, he is our king. So you don't have to be a, don't have to be scared of oh I'm sinking it's finished it's over I cannot do anything more I am gone no it does not matter how deep you have sunk how where you have sunk and what you have done and where you have gone my friend I need to tell you your king will take you out with just one move if you can trust him. If you can trust him. Are we willing to trust him? Are we willing to say yes? And some of us time, sometimes can drop into places where we think that there's no hope for us. But I want you to know that is not the case. That is not the case. No matter how deep, no matter how gone you think you feel. I want you to know he will pick you up. In closing, I don't know who this belongs to. He, maybe somebody over who's listening to me. He is the God of the second chance. Peter sunk and said, God, save me. He could have left Peter and said, Peter, I said, come. Why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you do your own thing? Why did you go your own way? Peter, sorry, mate. I cannot help you. No. He's the God of the second chance. 
He's a God. I don't care where you are at. I don't care what you've done. But he can pull you up. He can change your life. And if you come here, we as people of God can encourage you, nurture you, and see that God will take you to the place and fulfill his plan and purpose in your life. My friends, he's the God of the second chance. And this morning, you know, 1978, I remember I, I, I got saved in 75. In 78, I closed with the story. I backslid for almost three months. And when you backslide, you plan the things that you never even done before you got saved. Because that's what happens. But thank God he is a God of the second chance. I had a pastor who baptized me. He was an American. His name was Over Dillingham. He had a program for the youth. And that day, he said, I want every one of you. Now, I was backslidden. I was going to movies. I did, you know, I was just crazy. And I came back to this program that they had for the young people. And Pastor Ober Dillingham said, young people, when I stand at the gates of eternity, I want to see every one of you pass by. I burst out in tears. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I cried and cried. And he brought me back. From 1978. My God. I kept my eyes focused on him. I backslided in there for three months. But I kept my eyes on him. Friends. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because I think the roller coaster will become real tough. Real tough. But I'll say this to you. As long as you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, you don't have to worry about anything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, we give you all the praise, the glory, and honor this morning as I've been sharing your word from my heart. I pray that you would move upon your people, touch them, strengthen them, let them keep focus on you, the author and the finisher of your, our faith. I pray, God, that you would move, touch, and bless. We give you all the praise, the glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, uh, so good to have you here today, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Please don't forget to fill in the... Uh, the camp form that will be fantastic. Um,